Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof Podcast. Thank you for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And we are back with our friend and our sister and the one who helps us all parent differently, Dr. Kathy Cook. She's talking about her new book, By That Name, Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character That Changes Culture. Um, Look, that's important to us, right? Mm -hmm. We are talking about how to live in this world and not have the world live in us. Um, I believe James talked about keeping ourselves unstained by the world. Not only do we want to do that for ourselves, but we want to do that for our children. And so Dr. Kathy is helping us navigate that in her latest book. And before we we wrapped up our last podcast episode, Mm -hmm. we were talking about the qualities of character or the character qualities that produce obedience or that are likely to produce obedience. And let's just be honest, some parents only came back because we teased that. That's the only reason (laughs) that they're they're like, have a more obedient kid in one podcast episode. So Dr. Kathy, without further ado, like, can we just kind of pick up there? Like, what are some of those qualities that we should be looking at? Well, should I wait for the third one until the 29th minute to make sure they listen to the whole thing? <laughs> Stick Very around wise. to the end, friends. Very wise. <laughs> it's, I think it's, it's a good marketing strategy. I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. No, this was so encouraging to me when I did the research and also read scripture You know, differently. Three qualities that make it more likely children and adults will be more obedient the first time you ask them to do something. Number one, gratitude. Mm. So grateful people... Um, who recognize um, what they have more than what they don't have, are pleasant, content, more flexible, more honorable, um, more there's more humility in them, there's more joy, they understand purpose, there's just so much to gratitude. And so I make the point in the book, like like I've often made, that we don't want kids to you know, f- be forced to send a thank you note so they get another gift from grandma. We want children to be grateful. I don't want them to just, you know, show gratitude. I want them to be grateful. These character qualities, they become who we are. So if, if I were to ask a child, you know, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm grateful. Like, rather than I'm talented, I'm a, I kick the soccer ball far. I'm really good on the piano. Those are abilities which are fine to have. But wouldn't it be remarkable if we looked our names up in a dictionary and the first descriptors were character? Hmm. Because yeah. it's it's compelling. It's who we are. Identity controls behavior. So I want kids to be grateful. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know you have so much to be grateful for. Amen. You know, God who created you and he didn't have to. He made you the way he wanted you to be. Uh, Jesus, again, who died for us that we would have an eternal life, which starts now on earth. And again, the gift of the Spirit as a comforter, guide, teacher, convictor. So 
um, it, it matters greatly. Number two, or do you want to interact? You want oh, to interact? I, I just have a question about that. I, yeah. What I would like to do, and if it if it's okay with you, Dr. Kathy, I'd like to take each of these traits that you discuss and talk practically about. So how do we teach gratitude to our kids? How do we um, provoke that in them as a strong, solid character trait? No, that's great. So first of all, because we're talking about biblical character, we open the scripture. Mm. And we, we look at um, Jesus and God. Uh, did he ever say thank you? Mm. Is Amen. there evidence that God was grateful to the people who were obedient? Mm. Is, is there evidence that Jesus, you know, there were times that he was angry. Were there times that he was grateful? Um, what did Paul say? What did James say? Um, if you read the four Gospels, I mean, if you did a word search for grateful, thankful, gratitude, you know, would it be there? So I would start with the scripture. I'd look again at the one and others of the New Testament. I'd look at the fruit of the spirit. I'd look at um, just so much about the character of God and then all the other, all the other instruction. And I would start there and I'd maybe do family devotions. If I wanted my family to own gratitude, like Thanksgiving is is great, but we yes. can't, we, we just can't be thankful one day a year. Right. It's not, right. It's not, it's not honoring to the sacrifice of Christ. Mm. And so, how do we bring that up? So do we serve? One of the best ways to impact gratitude is to serve. Get your eyes off of yourself and go serve at the homeless shelter. Go serve at the food bank. Go serve wherever it is that your family could serve. You know, collect the clothes that you'll never wear again and let your children help you choose where to drop those off. I know of a family in my own church where they stopped. They started giving to foster care centers because their son had a foster a boy in his class who was a mm. foster boy, and he saw him wear the same sweater over and over and over again. Mm. And this young eight or nine boy said to his parents, could we start giving clothes to people who take care of foster children rather mm. than to the homeless shelter? And so, you know, to involve kids in those decisions, because now they look in their closet and they're less likely to say, I don't have anything to wear. Yes. And so no guarantee here. Don't write me and say it didn't work. But this <laughs> this attitude of service, I think, is huge. Mm -hmm. Um and I, and I think the scripture comes to mind. And I would also, there are such great stories, uh, missionary stories, stories of, of real people, if you will, maybe even a grandmother, uh, a, a, the coordinator of a homeschool co-op who live a life of gratitude and the kids know it. Like if you ask your children tonight, who do you know who's grateful? Hmm. They would, they will know someone. Hmm. They will, they, and it'll say, it'll be the, the custodian who, when I put a, my clinic's in the trash can and he notices me. He says, thank you. Mm -hmm. Mommy, all I did was put a piece of Kleenex in a trash can, but he noticed and he said, thank you. I, I think that I think his name is Mr. Smith. I think he's a grateful guy. Man, this is so good. I'm, I'm thinking even as you're talking, I'm thinking of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the Father. And, and I'm thinking of him oh. doing that publicly so that we are able to observe it. I'm, I'm thinking of Jesus when the woman with the alabaster box comes in and is crying over his feet and then drying him with her, her hair and then putting perfume on him and how he acknowledges that this woman has shown an incredible amount of faith in who he is and a knowledge for who he is and a, and a gratefulness even in herself that the Lord acknowledges that not as something that is just automatic, right? That that's something that stands out. And I think that's so beautiful that you, that you even bring up the, the example of Jesus and demonstrating for us um, gratitude and appreciation. I think that's so incredible. Oh, I love those examples. One of my favorite examples is when Jesus fed the 5,000 um, men and women, and then there were kids, or probably, I don't know, 10,000 people there, at least I bet. Mm -hmm. he, um, he gets a basket with a couple of pieces of bread and fish, and he looks up to heaven and <laughs> praises God. 
Amen. I would have, I would have been like, are you kidding me? Look at all these people. What are you? Are you nuts? Like he gives thanks for mm-hmm. a little bit, you know? And what about using uh, the Lord's prayer? Give us our daily bread. Yes. Mm-hmm. And talking about abundance and, and why it's daily. Cause it would go rotten and you wouldn't be able to eat it. Mm-hmm. Go, buy, some, buy some milk with a bad expiration date and let it go sour <laughs> and teach your kids what it means, you know, to have daily daily bread. So mm. I'll, I'll lock you down. I love your question. The, the book is about this. We, re- I really want to equip people. You know, I'm thinking about, as you guys are giving examples, I'm thinking about the story of Tabitha uh, in the Bible who, who died, but she was oh. one that did good. And all the people rallied around, oh, you know, and, and, and show the things that, that she had made for them. Yes. And, you know, oh, it was yeah. such, it was such a big deal. The Lord raised her from the dead. Peter came, you know, and, and she oh. was raised from the dead. So much so that she, she, they were so grateful for her and her yes. life that man, they were like, man, we can't, we don't want to lose her without her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, I, I think about about Dorcas and yeah. you know just her impact on a group of people. That's so good. I love that. Imagine us living that way. Yes. Uh, no, yeah. let's give our let's give our kids healthy role models. Hmm. So you send them off the door. To school or homeschool co-op or soccer practice. Hey, be like Tabitha. Mm, that's so oh good. My God. That's so good. Wow. I love that. Okay, Dr. Kathy. Yes. Number two, what's the next trait that we when we talk about obedience? Joyful. Mm. Joyful. Not circumstantial happiness, which is the technology lie where everybody's try striving to be happy. So I'll be obedient if it makes me feel good. I'll exhibit kindness toward grandma if it makes me happy, but no joyfulness, a deep mm. down, um, deeply rooted, a part of who we are that can't get snatched away because for believers, it's rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And Amen. so do, do we model that? Do we have great delight? Like the two of you, you have joy. Like there is, there is spirit in you, whether I've been with you face to face or, or, or here over the screen, oh. you just radiate confidence in, in Jesus. And I want that I want that as well, and I want that for other people. This joy is what helps us overcome trauma and difficulty. Joy allows us to handle the bad days better, and we're all going to have the bad mm-hmm. days. Joy is um, protection against following the trend of, of the bad group, if I could mm, put it that way. So, sure. You know, you're, you're watching the bully happen, and you could be a bully too, but joy in you won't fit well with being a bully. It's like oil and and water, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mix. And so again, uh, Jesus Christ exhibits this and is this for us. And, uh, you know, the scripture, Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I would say to you, and I say this to our listeners with with joy and integrity, it, that's not a t-shirt slogan. Mm-hmm. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It can't be a refrigerator maker. Mm-hmm. That's where we have no integrity. So how dare we, and I say this with Oh, I maybe shouldn't have said that. Tears in my eyes. I respect you who are doing devotions and are leading your children into a relationship with Christ. Be very careful. Because if you memorize that verse as a family and that becomes, you know, a, a theme of your instruction, maybe during the month of December, we're going to work on joy, not being robbed away from we didn't get the right gift or we didn't get the right cookie or whatever. Boy, if you talk about that and you teach that, then what's it mean if you, and then again, if you're not able to exhibit it because life happens. And those are those teachable moments where you say, man, I owe you my family. I love you. I owe you an apology. I allowed the devil to rob me of my joy. Mm. I had a stressful day at work. I had, 
I had a, an agenda of things to get done and the phone kept ringing. And I, I just want you to know, I am so sorry that I took out on you my internal um, disappointment yes. that I did not handle my day well. Yes. You know, I've, I've, I've had moments, Dr. Kathy, where because of multitasking and because of doing so much that my response to my children in any other circumstance would have been quite different from maybe the one that I'm not proud of in that moment. And because of the Holy Spirit and because of knowing that I require so much grace and, and so much mercy from the Lord, I have been provoked to tell my kids, hey, you didn't you didn't deserve that response. I'm I'm sorry I said no to you like that. No, you still can't do it, but I didn't mean it the way that I said it. <laughs> right. I love that. You know what I mean? Like you're still not allowed to go there, but I didn't mean to be snappy with you like that yeah. or to be well. sarcastic or to be short, you know, and so would you forgive me for that? And and I tell you, I that doesn't um it doesn't feel good initially because it is the admission of, you know, a failure, right? Like it's saying yeah. I let you down. Um, but afterwards, it feels great because I, I feel like it's God honoring. And um, anyway, I, I just I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I just wanted to to put some some real time. We're walking through that now. Back to your point about joy, even that in our house, just walking through that. Like, how do we exhibit that toward one another? How do we show one another mm. um joy and, and not being gruff and grumpy when we are, you know, wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Like there are ways that I feel yeah. like, and I'd like to get your take on this, Dr. Kathy. I feel like there are ways that as a family, as parents, maybe you've observed this in, in the kids that you minister to, the families you minister to, we make excuses for a lack of joy rather than trying to um, practice that or understand what it really means to live that out. That's a great way of wording that. Again, everything that we said about gratitude is true for joy. Mm -hmm. So again, going to the scripture, going to Jesus and God, looking for heroes in the culture and heroes in your um, sphere of influence that you would say, hey, this is a joyful person. Here's why. Um, I know of people who have uh, special needs children who are, you know, from my perspective, their life is extremely hard. And yet their joy is I can feel the joy through the screen. Mm. And, and it, they're just they're representing Jesus so well. Um I think in the family, I would contrast happiness with joy. I'd probably get out a whiteboard. You know, there's, I'm a teacher, so I'd probably get out a whiteboard mm -hmm. and I'd make, you know, here's joy and here's happiness. How are they same and how are they different? Oh, that's good. And, you know, what do they depend upon? How are they recognizable? And what, what is the, what are the advantages of joy? Like happiness is circumstantial and it's happenings and you can't control it. Now you can think you can. And so that's why you lie and that's why you cheat and that's why you take the cookie because you want to be happy, but it will not work well for you. Mm. But joy is now joy for the believer is in Jesus. And we can control with the Holy Spirit's guidance. If we go there and say there, let's say that you come home from work or church or school or whatever, and you're not in a good frame of mind. You, you just haven't had a good moment. You, you know, had somebody at your bumper the whole way you were driving. So you're legitimately stressed. I would recommend you don't walk right into the kitchen and talk to your kids. Mm. I'd say, go to your room, you know, have a little time out, mom, That's you know, and, and, and spend a few minutes. I know a lot of moms have Oreo cookies in the walk-in closet, I mean, go, <laughs> go, you know, go to your walk-in closet and have your own little snack break. And then, you know, after you've prayed and reflected and owned it and asked the spirit to strengthen you, then you go and you say to your kids, Hey, how was your day? What do you want to do tonight? So I think self-care 
you know, I think is important for each of us, even our children, of course, as well. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I know from talking to people as I wrote the book, I think it's doable. There's a difference between the two. And joy is um, joy is so much better. It's just so much better. You got to prove it to the kids. Yes, absolutely. And, 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 and can I just say that it is increasingly difficult, and you've alluded to this a few times, when we are in a happiness-seeking culture. And, yep. and we are validated in that in so many ways. Um, you, as the tech expert, know about the instant gratification that produces that temporary happiness that's only as good as the last click. Like it's only as yes. good, you know what I mean? Yes. And so we really have to work upstream to make our kids countercultural and to show that it's eternally beneficial to have joy versus happiness. Oh, I love the way you said that. One of the things when I teach about gratitude related to what you were just saying, was to teach the kids to recognize how quickly the temporary buzz dies off after they bought something new. Mm. So they want a new game, yeah. you know, a new <laughs> piece of music, a new pair of shoes, you know, whatever, a new book, even something good. And they're all excited. <laughs> Keep track. And every four hours, no joke, every set a timer and ask them, how are you feeling? And show them that they had to have it. They had to have it. And they had to have it. It'll change my life. And they were bored by it in 24. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a great challenge, Dr. Kathy. Let me let's go back to that challenge there. I, I think that is a practical challenge, especially as we are in the season of giving. I think it is a yeah. practical challenge to show our kids that their significance and what they joy in cannot be wrapped up in what is temporal. It cannot be wrapped up even in the moment where everybody's giving and everybody's receiving that we still. Now, I'm not saying that I, I'm not advocating for ruining Christmas for everyone. Like no, you give no. a present and you also give a timer. Now start it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I think this is very instructive. And, and I love what you're saying here, that we actively show them how to measure the changes and how they feel about things in real time. I love that. It, it only works if you're brave enough to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right? Because we were, t- we were talking yeah. before about how important we are. So, you know, you just got the coolest pen off of Amazon. You went to some store or whatever it is. You just got the coolest thing. You know, you just whatever. And and seriously, you Facebooked about it. You know, you posted about it. And it's just like, I finally, I got my new culture proof hoodie. And you're all excited. And maybe that excitement for the culture proof hoodie will last a long time. I hope so. But, um, Dr. Know, Kathy, I love that you love us enough to not care about our feelings at all. She's like, look. Like, at least throughout the she, winter. She goes, let, it, <laughs> let, please, let it last. Please be happy until spring. Um, but you're hitting on so much that. No, because again, and this is what we said, this is what we said when we had the opportunity to endorse parent differently. You, it doesn't just stop at, I, I want to shape my kids. This, this goes full on family shaping, right? This is, this is family discipleship because in order for me to be able to peg good character, I've got to have it. I've, I've mm. got to have it. And I've got to mm. subject myself to the same scrutiny that I subject my kids to. Yeah. Yeah. Well stated. Number three, we got one more here. Yeah, this one's fascinating to me. I hope it's fascinating to your audience and to you. It's Mm self-efficacy. Now, the people who have never heard the term self-efficacy, it simply means to be self-effective. It's Hmm. a belief. It is a belief that I can do what I've been asked to do. So you think about children. We're talking here about the most important character qualities, internal beliefs that frame you. 
And these three lead to first time obedience. Kids who are grateful and joyful and kids who believe they can be effective. So if you say it's your turn to empty the dishwasher and they don't have self-efficacy, they only think they can do it right when you're watching or doing it with them. And all of a sudden you've said, you can do it yourself tonight and your kid panics, but what if I drop a bowl or put the cup in the wrong place? Self-efficacy gives a child confidence and, and contributes to the joy and the gratitude actually. And it, it creates initiative. How many of us would love kids with initiative? Yes. <laughs> who decide to do what they know they could or ought to do without being asked or told. Yeah. Um, it creates or it leads to optimism. And optimism is, is a huge quality. Um, they have more energy. They tend to be more helpful. So they look at what they could do. I have self-efficacy. Mm. Daddy has said that I'm eight now and there's more that I'm capable of doing. I wonder what else I'm old enough to do. Because they all want to mature. Every kid wants to grow up and mature and they want the affirmation of their dad and they're ready to serve. So how many of you want servant-minded kids, mm -hmm. right? Again, initiative, they do what they can even when they're not asked and then service-minded. So they want to show up, not for recognition, but because service is Jesus. <laughs> service is right. Mm -hmm. Self-efficacy, the belief that I can do what I've been asked or told to do. So have we taught them well? Hmm. Have we taught them well? Have we explained? Have we demonstrated? Have we defined? Or have we simply done what a lot of kids have told me, Dr. Kathy, they tell me what to do and they yell at me when I don't do it. Hmm. And it doesn't help. I've had many kids with their language say those kinds of things to me. And Will and Mickey, I respect busy parents. I respect the overwhelmed nature of today's hurried up life. And I understand that you've got an ADHD nine-year-old and you think you've trained him. But if he's overwhelmed and scared and perfectionistic and wants to please you and has a sister who's already doing it well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're listening to you explain it with all of the web of confusion in their mind, they're going to need to be retaught. Hmm. Not because they're bad and you're a bad parent, but to be retaught because learning some of this stuff is really challenging because it goes against some of the, the very issues that they've been raised with. So let me just say this back and then correct me where I misunderstand. I'm hearing you say that if we want to raise kids who have self-efficacy and believe that they can do things well, that they can be effective in what you ask them to do, we have to be effective in training them and explaining it to them. Um, I'm also picking up here, and you you haven't necessarily said this, so correct me if I'm going too far with what you're saying, but I'm also picking up that there must be a high level of trust on the part of the parent that if I, you know, if I ask you to do it, I am not going to co-do it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do it and I'm going to trust you to do it. Um, and even if you don't do it right, I will use that opportunity to instruct rather than criticize. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I'm leaving the room now because I believe you listened when I taught you. Don't mm. say I'm going to leave the room because I'm an excellent teacher. Mm. I'm going to leave the room now because you have been teachable when I have explained things. And Samantha, I'm right around the corner. So if you get overwhelmed, just say, hey, mom, and let me let me help you. So there, you know, do we have a help me attitude or the criticized attitude, as, as you said? And Will, it's your favorite word, right? Discipleship. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
it is yeah. your favorite word. And we can say it's about, you know, memor- I, I want to memorize the Bible. By the way, don't ever tell your kids to memorize the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Unless That's you do it first, bit, right? <laughs> a, little bit over, a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, we, we tell kids to memorize scripture or they'll say, you know, Dr. Kathy, God wants me to memorize the Bible, but no one's ever taught me how to memorize the Bible verse. Mm. So we have a responsibility wow. If you want them to be devoted to the word, do they even know what devoted means? Yes. And and what does it look like if you become devoted as a student of the word, et cetera? And mm-hmm. so the self-efficacy, we can apply it to chores. We can apply it to sibling relationships and all that's good and, and well. And that's we're talking about obedience. What if we applied self-efficacy to the things of the faith? Mm. Then I think, again, they develop a maturity that hopefully we also develop. But maybe I would even say they develop a maturity that we don't even have. Mm, wow, that's good. I saw you do that today with Sam Witt with uh, cleaning out, you know, the room, and like he wanted to do it. It was hard, and you let him do it. And then there was something that you went and started doing. I picked up a couple things. And he was like, "I want to do that. Like, Mom, let me do said, it." And so you did. So true, you know. But I saw that, you know, in him. You know, yeah. he, he he feels like he can do he's it. Confident he, he's he confident that he can do it. Yeah. But and that's why I bring that up because like when I tell you this is real life for us, Dr. Kathy, we're applying your book in real time. Like when I'm listening, I'm processing, am I doing these things? This is how people listen to your lectures, by the way. Okay. Like, yeah. am I do I do these things? Am I guilty of this? And then Lord help me, right? <laughs> but just today, our seven-year-old wanted to clean off a dresser. And as he was doing the work and I was like, oh man, this is looking good. And then I I went over and I started like moving some things like, you know, even Uh, as I said, this is looking good. And he stopped me. He was like, mom, I'm, I'm doing this. I can do this. And I'm like, buddy, uh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you're right. Go, go. Cause you're doing a great (laughs) job. But the temptation uh, is toward sort of this, um, it's horrible as parents. Like we think that you know, we are the best people to do it. And it's, it's a form of pride. You know what I mean? And it It, doesn't allow us to parent well. I appreciate your humility. And there's fear. I think, you know, there's something breakable on the dresser. There's a legitimate reasons that happens. And yet if you have taught and explained, and if your child appears to be willing to be confident in the moment, well, take advantage of that moment because they probably don't come around all the time. (laughs) And and then, and then you, you look at it as a, as a reteaching. Hey, the next time that you, volunteer to do that remember you might want to start on the edge and and you know just if there's a strategy that you use Mm -hmm. the strategy that increases efficiency but again what i want moms and dads to know is that they ought not correct their kids so that they feel better about themselves Mm. if if your children make mistakes and your children you know break a vase or your children take longer to do it than you would have it doesn't you're not a bad mom and don't go correcting your kids because you're afraid somebody's going to find out that they did a sloppy job that's how you learn Mm. Uh, they scribbled, they scribbled, and now they write legible. Everything mm. in life starts with, if you will, a, a mess and an attempt, and then it gets better mm-hmm. when we expect it to get better and they have reasons to want it to be better. And that's a whole nother show we don't have time for. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh, I love your insights as you listen to me. You're amazing. Well, I, I love listening to you. I, I, you know, this is such a, I hope that our listeners, um, I hope that our listeners feel seen and not like, oh, this is just for Will and Miki. They're getting parenting <laughs> advice. I hope that they recognize that the book Parent Differently is available for everyone, right? And you can get a copy of it. I want to encourage you to check out Dr. Kathy Cook's work. You can go to celebratekids.com, celebratekids.com. And of course, you can find her books 
everywhere that books are sold. This book is published by Moody. And and I want to say this, we are almost out of time, but there was one thing that I really want to pick up on. And there there is a quote here from your book. And, and I just want to point this out in the time that we have left here. You write that children often don't know why they do what they do, uncovering their beliefs so you can reinforce them or change them requires you to observe one of the things I love, Dr. Kathy, about what you do is that there is practical application. There are measurable steps, but you also leave just enough work for us as parents that it's not like, okay, you know, zeros and ones. It's not a computer response. It is a it is an engaged parental response. And what I want to end with is how do we as parents observe well, like when our, our kids are asked a question, well, why did you do that? And like, we've got a three-year-old, right? And we say, you know, why did you throw the toy? And he will say, because I threw the toy. <laughs> yeah. That's his response. Yeah. It's, it's, it's because yeah. whatever he did. And I think even though that's a toddler, but I think there's a little bit of that in all of our kids, even as they continue oh, yeah. to grow. It's, I don't know why I did it. I just did it. How do we start to observe what motivates their behavior? Yeah, there are adults who don't know why they do what they do. Yes, <laughs> so, correct. But, but the question the question is appropriate because it implies that there should be a reason. And this is why I teach children that all behavior starts with choice. Mm. And all choices are rooted in a worldview. And that's why we would say a biblical worldview is best. So as an example, if a child is usually calm and collected and is irritable, maybe she's jealous for at her sister because she observed that you just complimented her. So we have to observe more, Miki, mm. and Will. We observe longer. We listen with great intentionality. We listen and observe not to judge, but to learn. So in, in jealousy, by the way, I think jealousy, I would. I wish I could do some research on this. I wonder if jealousy is the, a root of almost everything that goes wrong at home. Mm, wow. Because they're, they're watching. They want to be, be, they want to be treated like the others. They want the cookie. The other got, they want to win the game. The other got to win. They, they don't want to have a spelling test, but there's, you know, but they have to, but their sister didn't have to have a spelling test. Mm, so I think yes. there's a lot of competition and jealousy that rules and creates the irritability and the anger and the competitive nature of some of our kids. So knowing that, knowing that I said that, I would say you can assume that jealousy might be a culprit. And knowing that now, instead of saying, why did you do that? You could say to the age-appropriate kid, are you jealous of your sister for mm-hmm. some reason? Are you treating her with, um, you know, negative language and critical spirit because you're jealous? What, what's going on with that? And maybe you even ask a more specific question. I'm wondering if, you know, sweetheart, you're not a bad kid. And I wonder if you recognize that a few minutes ago, I affirmed your sister because I was so pleased with something that she did for me. And now are you upset with me because I haven't affirmed you and you feel less than your sister? So you begin to wonder what could be. So in the book, I talk about how all the qualities are connected and they give rise to each other or not. So patience is rooted in other centeredness and compassion. Arguing, every discipline problem is rooted in character. Arguing is a lack of submission and flexibility. So if you can begin to put two and two together, Mm. you can begin Mm. to predict. And then we predict in our own lives. Oh, I became critical because, and then you begin to wonder, oh, I wonder if that's why Josiah also is critical sometimes. So let's think about ourselves first and then begin. And then rather than the open-ended question, I think sometimes we ask a question 
that and we look for their eyes. We look to see where their eyes go. They'll often give away the truth with what I call that eyebrow lift. Mm -hmm. They might, they might not recognize that you just hit the nail on the head, but they might indicate that you did based on their reaction. And then you follow through, but it takes observational power and you do it again to learn and to love, not to judge. Man, Dr. Kathy, you are, again, you are a gem. And and I, I am so grateful for the wisdom that the Lord has entrusted to you Amen. because he has indeed entrusted a wisdom to you that is a benefit and a blessing to families all across this country. And man, I'm grateful for you. I, you just said something. There was much that you just said, okay, as we're going out of this program, but you just said one line that um, is so relevant to where we are. You just said... Um, Arguing is um, is the the result of lack of humility, and oh my goodness, I said I, in my mind I was going to remember the two. What is it? Lack submission, of submission, submission and flexibility. And fle okay, so they want their own way. Hmm. So so they, they have a plan. They have a plan, and if they're, if they're not flexible, they will argue when you ask them to change the plan. <sighs> Make sense? Yeah. Does it make sense? My goodness. I mean, look, well, look, the follow-up questions, I'm going to reserve for a personal Zoom call with you, okay? Like, we just, <laughs> we don't have enough time on this program, well, so. Bring me, bring me back for part three whenever you want. Okay. It'll be interesting to see how your listeners react to this, and then let's do it again. Please. There's so much, there's so much content, and it's not about, you know, I appreciate that you're promoting the book, but it's not, it's not about selling the book. It's about blessing, you know, your people with truth. Yes. So what an honor to what an honor to be with you. Thanks for being prepared and thanks for the passion that you have for your audience. It's just a delight to know you both. Thank Dr. You. Kathy Cook. Thank you. We love her. I mean, yes. it's 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 a little bit selfish, but I'm <laughs> look, I just will admit it. We love her. We appreciate her so much. The book is Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character That Changes Culture. And you can get it wherever you get your books. I encourage you to check out her website. There are resources there that will be a blessing to you and your family. CelebrateKids.com. CelebrateKids.com. Also, all across the internet, if you just go to YouTube and do a search, you will find her speaking. <laughs> I, I feel like where in the world is Dr. Kathy? Where <laughs> right. in the world? Now, so you've settled down a little bit now because we're nearing the end of the year. So are you kind of done yeah. with travel? Like, are you home now? Yes, I have one local event. And then I am traveling up to Chicago to meet with my publishing team to figure out what next book I should write. <laughs> but I am done speaking until the end of January. Awesome. So I can rest my voice and rest my mind. And my, my body. Well, it's awesome. well earned. And we love you so much, Dr. Kathy. Look, we'll, we'll go out of the program as we often do. Um, when you resist those cultural trends, and in and, and this particular case, we're talking about the temptation or the trend uh, to parent as the culture is parenting today. We mm. are called to be different. So our parenting should be different. Um, when you resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, uh, you remain culture proof. And uh, we want to be just that. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.
Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce. Yes. All remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens track facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functionable a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net.